Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising as One podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. We got a special live episode of the Rising as One podcast. Recording this on Saturday night, moments after the Western Conference matches have ended. Introduce yourselves, guys. Yeah, well, you know, everyone will know me, you know, Kyle Mackey, um, here once again. But, uh, you know, we do have a special guest tonight, and I'll let him introduce himself. Well, I, I don't know about special, but I, I'm a guest, <laughs> and my my name is Phil Kennedy, and I'm one of the uh, the co-hosts of the Across the Pitch podcast, and I, I'm really excited to be joining you guys tonight on, on Rising is One. I'm a, a big fan of your guys' show, and really excited to uh, to talk about the, the Western Conference matchups. It, it's been a fabulous day of soccer I, i've got to say i i woke up and uh put on the the spurs and, and watford this morning uh then i watched some of the the atlanta united in new england seattle and dallas wow was that a game then you went into the usl uh, and i know that we're going to talk about the uh the san antonio game we're going to talk about orange county we're going to talk about la Right now, we still have Portland and Real Salt Lake going on to the MLS side. If you're a soccer fan, then today has been your day. Oh, it's been incredible. And one of my dogs just came up on me to like acknowledge how incredible today has been. This is <laughs> part of what we what we were thinking about when we decided to do a live podcast is just like to get all the drama of decision day. We don't technically have a decision day in USL, but this is the closest we get. And truly, some of these results have been absolutely incredible. So we're definitely going to get to those. And uh, wow, what a, what a day. As a Newcastle fan, I was up in the morning and it didn't quite work out, but it's been an amazing day of football. Oh, it really has. And uh I think that we want to start off by talking about that San Antonio game because, to me, that's the biggest thing that happened in the USL today. I think that everybody kind of had San Antonio penciled in for the uh, the tenth spot there, that they were going to get that, or maybe even up to the the ninth spot. Colorado Springs had just looked awful. The game was in San Antonio. San Antonio led to nothing at halftime. And then what happened? I mean, you ran call is on fucking suicide watch. Oh. Holy, you know, this is a family friendly podcast most of the time, but holy shit. How do you blow that lead? Honestly, if that was Phoenix Rising and that happened to us, like legitimately, that would be one of the worst days of my life. I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, you, you know, you say, uh, for instance, like, like in Major League Baseball, where they have that play-in game for the playoffs and, and how gut-wrenching it is to play a 162-game season and then have it come down to that one game and, and then you're the team that, that goes home and doesn't get into the postseason. 
This is very similar to that, except for one step further in that this was the game to get into that play-in game. Not to mention, this has been a weird season for San Antonio. At the beginning of the year, they were just terrible. Then, midway through, they were one of the hottest teams in the league. Nobody could stop them. Then they kind of had that Billy Forbes thing, and I, I really feel like maybe they haven't quite been the same. Do you, do you guys think that Billy Forbes thing maybe uh, caused a riff in the locker room at all? Kyle, you should take this one first. I, yeah, I mean, I can't say, you know, definitively that there's, you know, a rift in the locker room because I have, you know, not too much information on that entire situation. But there's no doubt that there's just, I mean, there's something about the spirit within the team that has absolutely changed. And, I mean, you see it in in the collapse that is, you know, the, the latter half of the second half of this game. Um, I mean, it just a team for San Antonio, as you said, really turn it on this season and, and they're a dangerous team and everyone, you know, figured they're going to be in their shoe into the playoffs, really making it difficult for, you know, New Mexico to lock up that spot. And um, I mean, just absolutely. I think the own goal really, you know, I, I heard that um, that was that player's third own goal of the season. And, wow. you know, it, yeah. Yeah. When you have, you know, those kinds of things happening in, in these kinds of moments, even I Mustafi mean, never did that. <laughs> no no and it's i mean i just it's you feel for this team and like you said um all their fans you, you know your hearts are out to them because you know you know if your team was put in this situation no one uh no one wants to feel this way oh absolutely and you know the first goal came off a penalty kick second goal also comes off a penalty kick so there's absolutely no excuses i mean they legitimately created chances they converted those chances, and like, if you cannot see a two-nil home lead through to full time, you don't deserve a fucking playoff spot. That's just so sad. But at the same time, you don't deserve it. Yeah, I mean, they really have been a team that that plays to the level of their competition a bit. What I look back to is at the end of September. They had a three-day stretch where they lost to the Tulsa Roughnecks, and then they went out and beat Fresno. So they're they're one of those teams where they do have a history of, of kind of collapsing against some bad teams. I I also would say that, that they're a team that maybe has uh, has lacked a little bit of discipline that. Uh, has been shown by the end. Of course, they had that red card that it was at the, the very end of the game. But, you know, I, I just think that, that overall, maybe San Antonio is a team that that's ready for a change in their coaching staff. I, I, I know that last season they finished right around ninth, right around the same number of points that they did. So they, they just seem to be kind of stagnated. And I think that, that everybody agrees that, that they're a good enough team on paper to make the playoffs. So it, to me, it, it has to be a coaching problem at this point. I would, I would personally agree with that. I mean, there is, there is no excuse in the books for blowing a 2-0 home lead against the worst team in the Western Conference. And and I saw that own goal. And that's just, it's a little bit unfortunate, but like, 
there is no excuse. You cannot allow a team who's terrible to score two goals. They only had two shots on target. So this is not Colorado. a team. This is this is not a team. This is not a team that's throwing everything in the books at you. Like find Colorado a way. Find a way. Thirty one goals in thirty four games. I mean, this was a team that's not even scoring one goal per game, and absolutely. they give up two and a half. I mean, one of those was an own goal, oh but gosh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Kyle, what what are your thoughts? I mean, this is. This is legitimately in the three years I've done this, one of the this is probably the worst last day of the season collapse that I have ever seen in USL. Yeah, yeah, it is. In in like you guys said, it's from a club that you you don't expect this to happen to. A club that you know is a big name in the USL. They've be, become a dominant force. And just like you said, at home against Colorado Springs, the 18th ranked team. Up 2-0. Exactly. With 25 it, minutes left. It, Holy crap. And, and, and you know, they knew. They knew when they were up 2-0 at that point that their destiny was in their hands. You know, if they continued, they, they were going to make playoffs. And, and, and just, just to have this happen. Um, like you said, it's it, 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 there's going to be a long look at the locker room and, and you're going to have to say the coaching staff as well. And I'll be surprised, you know, to see what players end up coming back um, next season and if there is a change, you know, in leadership. Because I mean, there's got to be some changes. I was going to say it is worth mentioning that uh, that Salt Lake just finished off Portland. Uh, it was a 87th minute goal by Jefferson Savarino, and now Salt Lake will move on, uh, and they will face uh, Seattle in the next round, I believe. Wait, wait up a second. Wait a second. Monarchs beat. Um, they didn't play Tacoma today. Uh, I'm Monarchs beat Sac about Republic. MLS. I'm talking about the MLS. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I saw that the Sounders match was incredible earlier today. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, so it, it ended up 3-3 in, in regulation, uh, and then it ended up 4-3. There, there was a hat trick in that game. I, I mean... It has just been across the board. It doesn't matter what league you're watching. It has been an exciting day. I mean, this this game here was uh, a, a bit of a snow classico, too. It started snowing here in the second half in Salt Lake. Guys, guys, can I take a second to salute Los Dos? Please, I'm going to try not to elaborate too much, but... Dang. Los Dos. One of the teams that's been an absolute USL championship bottom feeder the last two years. In June, they were in the bottom four of USL. Mm-hmm. All these guys do is fucking go out there, put in a good 90-minute shift every single night, and take down some amazing teams. They went into the last six or seven matches of this regular season, going up against very difficult opponents. All they do is win the games at home, draw the games away, or suffer tough losses away. But they they fight their butts off, and they get a nine seed, and they are going to Sacramento Republic in the midweek, and there's no reason they can't win that match. Actually, it looks like they're going to go to Austin Bold 
There's absolutely yeah. zero reason no, they can't I think win. They, I think they play New Mexico at the play-in game. No, it looks like New Mexico is number 10. So New Mexico will go to Sacramento, and Los Dos will play in Austin. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what an incredible what an incredible season from Los Dos. Well, not they, only that, but they, they traded Frank Lopez, who was their leading scorer midseason, to San Antonio. And now Frank Lopez is going to be home for the playoffs, and, and Los Dos is in. Guys, I need to. We don't. We don't do this shit very often. I need to take a shot on the air because, wow, San Antonio really blew a two-nil lead on the last game of the season, and all they had to do was win that, and they would have made it. And New Mexico would have missed the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and I actually wow. I got my glass of bourbon right here with with you, but um. It, yeah, man, it, it it's insane, and and like you said, there's so much relying upon these results, and these were the games I really was looking at: the El Paso Los Dos match, New Mexico Las Vegas, and the San Antonio Colorado Springs, because there was just so much going on, so much reliant upon these three results, and and you know we all three of us, you know, set, would have put our money on on San Antonio winning. You know, at halftime, absolutely a sure thing. Oh you know, yeah. Just did not play out that way. But like, Don well, said, and even more after halftime when they went up two 0 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in in these dramatics, I mean, this is what you love, and you know, this this is a you know not quite decision day, but still a fun way to to lead into the playoffs. And for these teams, um, I mean, they've got to be you know emotionally exhausted, but also just raring to go. And and you know, these midweek matches are going to be so fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because both of these, uh, or excuse me, all four of these teams are going to play it midweek. Uh, they're going to have to turn right around and play on Saturday. And now the Phoenix Rising actually won't know who they're playing yet because once the two play-in games happen, then the Phoenix Rising will play the lowest remaining seed. So, for instance, right now you have New Mexico 10th, Galaxy 2 9th, Austin Bold 8th, and Sacramento Republican 7th. Those are the four teams in the playoff game. Phoenix Rising won't end up playing Sacramento because they can't be the lowest remaining seed. So it will be either Austin Bold, LA Galaxy 2, or New Mexico United. And I, I do want to I want to take a second here because when Sac Republic was getting owned by Real Monarchs earlier today, I thought that Monarchs was going to be stuck in the 8th seed. I thought that Bold would finish 7th. And you know, that's just one play-in winner that we don't have to deal with. I thought it was a very legitimate possibility we'd have to deal with Sacramento the first round. Just the fact that we don't have to deal with them because they will they're already seventh. What a huge victory that is. Yeah, it it really is. And you know, an Austin Bold team that will already be in their heads from, you know, that that 6-0 victory at home this season. You know, the the thing that I really wish is that, that San Antonio would have won because the team that I really don't want to see is New Mexico United. I, I mean, oh it, as much as I, I hate to say it, oh, they, yeah. 
given Phoenix trouble this year, they're they're just a pain in our damned asses. And I, I just, I, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but they'll probably beat Sacramento, and that'll be who we play Saturday. I I don't know about all that, but like, it's a very real possibility. And if they beat Sacramento, that's for sure who we're playing. Yeah. Yeah, if they yep. beat Sacramento, yeah, it's a sure thing. And and honestly, I I would not be surprised um, if if that is the case. Um, just you know, given you know the way these two results happen for each team, um, I mean, you would think Sacramento, they're professionals, they're able to turn around. But New Mexico is coming off such a high off this victory, and I mean, they're gonna know if you know they get through Sacramento, they're coming to us, and that team's gonna have some confidence knowing that they can come into Casino Arizona Field and and get a result, but um, I, I, you know, if, if it does turn out to be New Mexico, I think, you know, that would be a great way for us to, you know, um, really prove our worth through the playoffs and through getting by New Mexico. I mean, and, Sacramento has been in terrible form, too. They, they only won one of their last six games, and that one was against the Tulsa Roughnecks. Other than that, over their last six games, they had a draw at Oklahoma City. They lost to El Paso at home, draw at home to Los Dos, beat the Roughnecks at Tulsa, and then in their last two, lost 3-2 at home to Orange County. Today, they were blanked 3-0 by the Real Monarchs. I mean, Sacramento is backing into the playoffs. It really is amazing because we were looking at Sacramento Republic as recently as two weeks ago and thinking they would be a potential top four team. And they lose at home to Orange County. They lose the last match of the season. All of a sudden, they're replicating what they did last year. And there's, I mean, there's a whole other discussion about Sacramento. Congrats on MLS. But in this USL season, they're not a threat. Especially the way they've been playing lately. I wouldn't feel confident as a Sac Republic fan hosting New Mexico. New Mexico already beat them on that field. Yeah, the thing is, is New Mexico, they've also only won one of their last six games, which was today. Uh, if yeah. you look at their last six matches, they uh, they lost at home to Reno 3-1. Uh, well, they've, they, been, they've been terrible up until today. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, Las Vegas... On the road, I mean, that that was one thing. I, I was talking with Matt last night, and I said, you know, if this was at Vegas, then I, I would say Vegas has a chance. But I, I want to say Vegas only won, like, two games on the road the whole season. Yeah, that's a, this is, that's a very true point. And, and, and one of those was a very costly loss to Tacoma when they actually were in the hunt. So... You know, kudos kudos to Winalda for doing something with them this year, but they still they need to make the leap next year. Yeah, two and, two four and ten was their away record. They were nine four and four at home and two four and ten on the road. Those, those are Atlanta United splits there. Those are great <laughs> home records. I mean, honestly, those are great home records. But you know, we'll see what happens next year. When all the definitely did something with that team because they're not absolute bottom feeders, but 
Yeah, what they do is is they get the other team drunk the night before when they come to town, and that's how they win their home games. Is is you know the the other team comes into Vegas, they're out at Caesar's Palace till three in the morning. They're uh, yeah, you know that that's what I would be doing if I had a team in Vegas at least. Hell yeah! Oh, absolutely. They have that home field advantage. Um, and this one, you know, is more liquid based, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't no, forget I... their flailing, uh, inflatable <laughs> art guys, uh, at kiddie pool night and their hype man and $2 tequila. I, I mean, Cashman field, man, that's where the party's at. Well, and guys, I, I don't, I don't want to say this too early, but there is, there is legitimately a chance that with my life going the way it goes, there is a legitimate chance that my fiance and I move to Las Vegas next year. If that happens, I will try to give you guys all the insights on whatever the fuck is happening in Vegas. And also, <laughs> like, I'm going to try to be an insider agent, you know, like try to get on those two dollar tequila nights, figure out where the hell Freddie Adu lives. But you know, <laughs> it's it's it it is. Look, Phoenix is a better place for MLS than Vegas, but Vegas is doing some stuff right. They're trying. So if I end up having, you know, if I end up living there next year, I'll try to give you guys that insider stuff. I'm still gonna be rooting for Phoenix Rising so damn hard, but. Well, it's I'll tell you, at least, at least Man City's uh, kit today was worse than Vegas. So, so Vegas doesn't have the, the brightest and worst kit in the world. Man City has definitely taken that with their uh, cherry lemonade kit today. Wow. Well, we we do have to talk about the other matches that mattered for USL playoffs. You know, as much as we've hated on New Mexico, they got a very workmanlike 2-0 win. They did not screw around. They got the job done. What were you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, for me, I think, you know, this is what New Mexico, you know, they will have hoped for. Um, and as you said, they got the job done. They definitely earned it. Um, but like we talked about earlier, they themselves are not on a great, you know, great run of form. And they're one team that, again, like Vegas, their home form and their road form um, seems to be drastically different. And, you know, being the 10 seed, um, they're going to be on the road throughout the playoffs. And that's the one thing that I really wondered, you know, how they're able to endure through that with all these matches you know, coming up in a short span, um, it, it's going to be tough for them. But I, I, I think they're a team that's fully capable. They showed it with the Open Cup run. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, this really, I think, is, you know, for New Mexico, just to be in the playoffs, you know, it's great for them. It's great that they were able to make it after, you know, they did have their mid-season, mid-to-late-season collapse. Um, but, but, I mean, kudos to them, and, you know, hopefully uh, – we don't have to end up seeing them. <laughs> and guys, this is worth saying, you know, all three of the teams that were expansion teams in the Western Conference 
made the playoffs this year. How how big of a storyline is that? I mean, I feel like that's something that should pick up more headlines than it has. I all three teams, all... all three teams. I mean, that's that's pretty no, that's huge. damn impressive. I hadn't thought that's about huge. that. That is huge. I hadn't huge. thought about that until you brought El that up. Paso, but that is that is a really big deal. El Paso, Austin, Bolden, New Mexico. That's making the league better. All three of those teams made the playoffs, and granted, two of them are in play-ins, but it doesn't matter. They all made it. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with going to prove the point that the MLS reserve teams probably need to be starting to be sorted into League One because these expansion teams that are coming in, that are independent franchises, that are going to spend the money, that are going to have the set rosters. I mean, the, the biggest thing is when you look at the reserve teams and the number two teams, you're seeing where maybe four or five different goalkeepers will start over the course of a season. Regardless of how good those five guys are, anytime you have a team that's starting five different goalkeepers over a 30-game season versus a team that has the same guy in net every night, the team with the same guy in net every night is going to have the advantage. They're going to be used to having that guy pointing the defense in the right direction, all those different things. And that's why even a guy like Meisel with New Mexico, who may not be the best keeper in the league, he's certainly not the worst. He's in the net every night. They know where he's going to be at. They're used to playing with him. And that, to me, is the biggest advantage that the independent teams is they can run out the same 11 guys every night. The reserve teams, they, they never know who they're going to have from one night to the next. Kyle, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, and, and it's it's one reason that I think this this entire, you know, USL Championship, League One and League Two structure is crucial. And I think, you know, we will see it over, you know, the next few years that these teams um, definitely do need to be phased out and, and move down um, to the League One because they're just not, you know, at the level at some of these other teams. And, it, you know, it really is, you know, it, it dilutes the product. And even though some of these teams like Alostos are able to be an outlier and, and get the job done, um, I mean, it's still, you know, we have a lot of new expansion sides coming in. Union Omaha was just announced. So, it, it you know, the USL is definitely, you know, expanding at a fast rate. And I think giving these expansion sides the chance to be at the top division um, I mean, it's the right thing to do. And the one thing, you know, that I will say is certain expansion sides, you know, like Colorado Springs, they're doing things right to stay at this top level. And, um, I, you know, I really think that they're a team that I think next season they might be up near this playoff line, similar to well, T2 or Tulsa in the past. Yeah, I mean, Alan, Alan Coe coming in. I mean, exactly. And they're yeah. going to invest money now with this new stadium. There's going to be, you know, a different team in Colorado Springs next year. Yeah, it's a constantly changing landscape for the USL. And I think a lot of it is going to have to do with more soccer-specific stadiums. Because the, at the end of the day, uh, if you're playing at a place like where the, the Tulsa Roughnecks play, for instance, guys are going to look at that. They're going to say, well, you know, I, I don't know if I want to play on that 
pitch. And I mean, you, you just look at the, the guys uh, on Phoenix Rising, like for instance, uh, Joey Calistri is a guy who actually has played in Tulsa before, where he's taking a, a spot as a reserve role on Phoenix over going and being a starter for Tulsa. So, I mean, that, that just tells you that, that some of these teams need to upgrade their facilities in order to get the best players in. <clears throat> Mike Defont did not show up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that match eventually. We're doing kind of a reverse episode where we're going to recap that last. However, <laughs> guys... What do you, what are your takes on 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 the first round of the Western Conference playoffs? I mean, there are three teams we can play in the first round. We're not going to play Sac Republic, so it's going to be it's going to be Austin Bold, Los Dos, or New Mexico. And if New Mexico wins at Sacramento, it's going to be New Mexico. Out of those three teams, I think New Mexico is the only one that gives us problems. Uh, if you look back, Austin Bold, uh, we did have a loss to them at Austin at the beginning of the season. That was a weird game that was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday Absolutely. night. There were six changes yes. made in the lineup. That wasn't the same team. The last I, time I we agree. played Austin at home... The second half of the game was literally target practice. <laughs> I think it finished 6-0. Uh, and then Los Dos, they're a team that, that I think maybe they're a little bit better than, than Austin. But they're a team that we've proven we can consistently beat them every time that we see them. New Mexico is one team out of that three that scares me. Now, now the thing is, once we get past the first round, what starts to bother me is that on our side of the bracket are some of the teams that have given us a little bit more trouble on. I, like in Orange County, for instance, where, uh, you, you know, it's it's not going to be an easy run, but certainly anybody but New Mexico, I, I think it's an easy game on Saturday. New Mexico, I, I mean, what can you say? We've never beaten New Mexico. No, that's a great point. That's a, that's a phenomenal point. New Mexico would be a very tough match next weekend. And... If we happen to get past that 7 through 10 playing round, the 4-5 matchup, we definitely got the worst side of the bracket, in my opinion. Because Reno and Fresno finished 2-3. Um, El Paso and, you know, whoever wins that 7 through 10 and gets super lucky to play Fresno. I mean, honestly, I would give money to be in that side of the bracket. Monarchs yeah. Orange County is a very, very, very difficult match. Whoever gets through that is going to give us problems. It oh, doesn't yeah. matter whether we're, it doesn't matter whether we're home or not. That's going to be a tough match. There's there's no two ways about that. Maybe we play a phenomenal match and win. It's still going to be a tough match. And if we make our way through the Western Conference, we're gonna earn that shit. Because we did not get on the good side of the bracket. 
Yeah, I'm not sure that the Monarchs aren't the second best team in the conference right now because, I mean, honestly, we all know what's going on with Fresno. Reno has not been that great down the stretch. Now, they, they did finish out strong with a uh, 3-0 win over Tulsa, 2-0 win over Las Vegas the past two weeks. Before that, Reno had really been struggling a little bit. They had uh, uh, they lost to the Monarchs, for instance, on, on September 28th, which was the, the last matchup that they had against a top team. Of course, the Monarchs... Uh, or the only team to beat Phoenix at home. So, I mean, that's certainly something that, that they have in their pocket. And then Orange County on the other side, you have a team that, you know, they, they started from the bottom. Now they're here. They are always there. I just remember that Western Conference Finals game, Phoenix in Orange County last year, was the most physical soccer game I have seen played, period. And either one of those teams, it's going to be a bloodbath, and it's not going to be an easy second-round matchup. I mean, to, to me, probably Phoenix versus real monarchs or orange county in the second round in my opinion might be the real western conference finals if you will here's a here's a stat by the way about orange county just just so we have our pants properly shitted through since august 9th they have won seven matches and they have lost one they've gotten 21 points out of their last eight matches orange county is a fucking squad right now we should not take that for granted at all granted we will have it at home but that's not a team that we can take for granted at all and they already beat us back on on may 4th because correct the the last loss before the 21 game winning streak was to Orange County at Orange County back on May 4th. And that was back before they, they were even playing well. And, and yeah, like you said, I mean, no nobody has been hotter closing out the season. Plus, they have a roster full of guys who have been there before. And you know what? I actually take that back. They had won one, two, three, four, five, six. They lost one. And they finished the match. They finished the season on a. So they had won eight of their last ten. So they had 24 points out of their last ten matches. We really can't fuck with that team. That's a team that can do anything. When they're in their mode, we need to be on our A plus game, or else that's going to be a very scary matchup. Yeah, I mean, they finished with a plus 11 goal difference, and I remember... And that's all in the last two months. As late as July, they they were negative. Absolutely. Kyle, what do you... We should maybe uh, maybe take a quick look at at some of the the Eastern Conference real quick, just for, uh, you know, some of the the clubs that we might end up playing if we do get to the final. Here's what really catches me about the Eastern Conference more than anything else, is with 36 goals allowed, Phoenix Rising is 
far and away the best defensive team in the uh, in the Western Conference, uh, other than El Paso, who also has 36. Otherwise, anybody else has over 43 or more goals allowed. However, if you come over to the Eastern Conference, Defense is the name of the game. The top three teams and four of the top five teams all have less than 36 goals allowed. Nashville has only allowed 26 goals in 34 games this season. Do you feel like if we ultimately do get to the championship game, that one of these teams with a really tough defense could give us trouble because we we really haven't seen anything like that in the Western Conference. I mean, you know, El Paso, they're just a park the bus fucking team that, you know, <laughs> they're they're going to give up 36 goals because they just sat behind the ball the whole game. But I, I mean, some of these teams in the East are legitimately stout on defense. I mean, Nashville, they've scored 59 goals. They, they've allowed 26. If you look at El Paso, for instance, they've given up 36. They've scored 42. So, you know, that's just... a a slow team. There is not another good defense outside of Phoenix in the West. In the East, you have four. That scares me a little bit. Kyle, you should take this first. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, you know, a cause for concern. And, and you know, we saw it in the USL Cup final last year. Louisville City was able to play, you know, very good defense. And um, I mean, it, the one thing that I will say is, you know, in, in a one off, it, you know, it, it's really, you know, difficult to, to worry too much about this. But yeah, I mean, you you know, as a Phoenix fan, when you're looking at the Eastern Conference in these playoffs, um, like you said, you have to be rooting for the underdogs almost to make a run at it and start knocking off these high seats. Because because if one of these teams, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Indy or even Louie. Um, all of them very stout defenses and you know they will make it a difficult match you know if if they make it here to phoenix for the usl cup final and um you know that's that's something that like you said phoenix hasn't experienced too much this season and guys guys i hate to throw this out there because this is going to sound like a dumb stupid nitpicky point but solomon asante has missed his last three penalty kicks Adam John needs to be our penalty kick taker for the playoffs. Change my mind. Well, I, I'm not going to change your mind because uh, I exactly agree with you. And and here's here's the thing. They, and they've been is, bad. They've been bad kicks. Been, well, yeah. well, I'm not even going to say well, necessarily. I, I'm not necessarily even going to say that. Here's what I'm going to say is that it, it's gotten into his head. And here's how I know that it's gotten into his head is because yesterday when he took that penalty kick, he did kind of a stutter step on his run up in 13 penalty kicks. The first 12, he had never done a stutter step. So if a guy who is 31 years old, been playing as long as he has, is trying to change the way that he change technical aspects of his kick that tells me he's overthinking it and it's just 
Not that he's not capable of making the kicks that he's been making all season. It's just in his head right now. Adam John, he's already a guy who has proven that he is cold as ice when it comes to penalty kicks. You don't just try a Paninka your first time out uh, and then a gold nail goal. it. And then also on the uh, in the New Mexico United game, uh, when it went into penalty shots, I thought Adam John's shot of the five that Phoenix took was by far the most impressive. So I, I think that, that Adam John, in a limited two attempts, has shown that he has the ability. We all know that Solo can make him, but it's just one of those things like... Like like when a baseball pitcher has a hard time throwing strikes for whatever reason, and it just gets in your head. And to me, that's where Solo's at right now with the PKs. Well, and that's the thing. Playoffs are too important. You can't throw a guy out there who's only 60%. If you have a guy who's 80% plus, you throw that you throw that guy out there 10. You throw that guy 12 out of 10 times. Adam John has finished an MLS playoff match with a cold-blooded penalty kick. Solomon Asante, I fucking love the guy. He's never had that kind of a clutch penalty kick. I want Adam John there. Am I crazy? I want Adam John there. I want him making the difference because playoffs are too important. It comes down to one kick a lot of times. I don't want us getting in a shootout. If it comes down to one penalty kick before the shootout... I want John out there. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And we've talked about it. You know, penalties has always we can't, been. We can't know, screw around with this. This is playoffs. No, no we can't. And, and, you know, given everything that this team has put into this season, um, to have it come down to something like that, um, we all would know. It, it would it would be, you know, as heartbreaking almost as what San Antonio went through because it's it's not something that, you know, should even be a thought. Um, you know, we all love and respect Asante as our captain, but it's it's absolutely one of those things that Adam John deserves this this opportunity. And you know, as you said, through through uh, history, he's he's been you know cold blooded in ice in every single uh, penalty kick situation. I mean, I I think if you asked me this six weeks ago, I would have said no. Solo's the guy. You've got to go with your guy. Even after he missed the uh, the two a couple weeks ago, I would have said, you know what, that's one game, it happens. Okay. After seeing what I saw on Friday with yes. him actually changing his procedure, that to me was the red flag where I said, you know what, we need to try something different because it's clearly in his head. And here's the thing. Solomon Asante is a consummate professional. He's a guy that has won a championship before with Viracom Chelsea when he was playing over in Ghana. He's going to be MVP of the league. He's not a guy who's going to sit there and be offended that we're talking about this because at the end of the day, he knows that he missed the kicks. And I think as somebody who is captain of the team and leader of the team, maybe he's privately having this conversation with coach shots and saying, you know, uh, you know, maybe let Adam take the next one or, or whatever it would be. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's just one of those things where when you see a guy who's 31 years old changing his mechanics in the last game of the season, that's a huge, giant red flag. Your thoughts? I mean, I, just that I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm absolutely 100% on board with you. Um, and I, I do think, you know, as you said, that Asante, you know, he, he probably recognized this as well. And, you know, we all know he does not have the ego that, you know, he's going to just try and say, well, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm captain, I'm taking these kicks. He's going to do what's best for the team. And, um, I mean, you know, we'll, we w- really won't know until, you know, we have another penalty kick opportunity and see who ends up stepping up to take it. But um, I can't, you know, I don't think anyone would be too surprised to see, you know, Adam John step up for this next one. You know what I would honestly like to see, which would be a, a dream scenario, is to have Phoenix already be up like four to one with say 15 minutes left, and then get a penalty kick, and then at that point I'd say. Yeah, let's solo take it. Say he goes, he's he just needs one to hit the back of the net to get his confidence back is what it comes down to. But if the game is on the line, no, we can't give him that kick right now. His When he gets his next kick, it needs to be coming in one of those situations where maybe the pressure isn't on so much. He can find the back of the net. He can get that confidence back. So, I mean, in that situation where, like you said, you know, say that, that they were up two or three goals late in the game, a penalty comes up, that's your chance to give Solo a low-pressure kick where he can get his confidence back. If it's the 85th minute and it's 1-1 and the, the kick is needed to, to seal the game, you got to give that one to Adam Sean. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. And, and you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. I, I absolutely would love to see yeah, a situation where, you know, pressure is not necessarily on and Asante is able to, you know, get this – you know, monkey off his back and get back in his penalty form. Um, but I mean, we're we're gonna have to really hope that you know this works out in our favor because, like Tom said, this is playoffs and uh, it's it's too crucial to have you know a penalty, uh, you know, end up screwing us over. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, this club is good enough that they should be able to go out there and beat teams without it having to come down to a penalty. I mean, it it really comes down to a a couple of things. And this is something that I want to talk about a little bit is uh, I I, I want to go back to the, the 2018 world cup where, uh, where team Germany came in as one of the favorites. They of course ended up getting eliminated at the group stage And you just looked at this team and you're like, this team has so much talent. How in the world did they get eliminated at the group stage? And if you watched the play, it was really very obvious. They were taking too many shots from distance. They weren't making that last pass into the 18-yard box. If you go back to two weeks ago and you look at the game against the Monarchs, 
Phoenix outshot the Monarchs by 24 to 11. But out of those 24 shots, Phoenix only put six on target. The Monarchs put seven out of 11. So that tells me Phoenix is taking too many shots from distance. They're not making that last pass. And at the end of the day, most goals are scored from inside the 18-yard box. They need to get back to making that last pass and not playing it like Team Germany in the 2018 World Cup. That's a that's a phenomenal point. This is the kind of stuff that we can't pay enough money to get analysis <laughs> for. Because, I mean, geez, you look at the highlights last night. We went 3-1. But the first goal outside the box, second goal, Kavon yep. hits a banger outside the box. I was I mean, just going to say that. That's the difference yeah. in the match. Yeah, I mean, and the the thing is, is if you look at it earlier in the season, they were getting most of their goals from inside the box, especially like the ones where, you know, Adam John with the headers and things like that. They need to get back to more of that because right now they're uh, they're gunning for the highlight films. You know, they they see, uh, you know. And they're they're capable. I, I mean, we saw Lambert, like you said. We've seen Kalistri. Obviously, Solo had uh, that free kick gem. I mean, yeah, we've got guys that can score from distance, but it's a lot easier to score when you get in close into uh, what they call that corridor of uncertainty where you're uh, in that 18-yard box right in front of the net. Another thing, I, I don't think that they're getting quite enough out of their set pieces early in the game. It seems like at the end of the match when the game is on the line, they're really dialed in on their set pieces. Early in the game, the set pieces, they, they just don't seem as crisp as they do. And I feel like maybe if they were taking advantage of some of these earlier corners and, and things like that, that they might not be in, in such a difficult position later in the game. Kyle, I mean, what what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously we had a great chance to go ahead early in the match yesterday. We missed the penalty, but we still go up by two goals before halftime. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, you said before halftime. For me, you know, that's that's really the key. That's when this team, you know, we're getting it done. When we're getting those early goals in the 20th minute, in the 30th minute, and following up, you know, the first goal, I think we scored the second goal like 11 or 12 minutes later. That's that's when this team, I think, is able to be at our best, when, you know, we're able to go through our gears and, you know, not take our foot off the gas um, in the, you know, set pieces, absolutely, you know, they've been a big worry for us. They've been, you know, absolutely, you know, the last place that we've been scoring goals last night, we did get one off of the set piece. And I think, you know, for me, that goal was huge. Um, AJ Cochran's header just falling to Adam John and, and John, you know, the awareness last night he was on, he was the man of the match for me last night. But, um, I, I mean, it's, it's one thing that we absolutely need to work on. And for me, I think, you know, from an attacking perspective, it's probably easier to score a set-piece goal early in the match when maybe the defense isn't as switched on, um, whereas late in the match, you know, they're going to be playing all-out prevent defense. 
just to right, you know right. especially if it's a zero zero match so yeah set pieces are something that i would like to see us emphasize more because early on in the season you know i think we were a little bit more dangerous and coming into playoffs i mean getting a goal from you know any tactical area is going to be just crucial yeah i well, mean every goal is at a premium when you're in the postseason yeah yeah and speaking of that I kind of want to like turn things towards the postseason. Who do you think we end up playing next Friday night or next Saturday night? Excuse me. And do you think we find our way through? Um, I mean, for me, unfortunately, I think you know fate's gonna put New Mexico United right uh-huh. on our path. Um, I think you know it, it's gonna be the road. You know, this mountain that we're gonna have to climb. It's gonna be tough. Um, but I, I I like it, you know. If if we've got, you know, if we got to do it, I say we play New Mexico United, and I I you know, they may you know have beaten us in the regular season, but we have the opportunity to you know beat them and be unbeaten against them in the postseason, and that's ultimately when it matters. I couldn't agree with you more, and yeah, I mean we're we're on a crash course with New Mexico United. I mean it. It's just inevitable that, that it's going to happen. And uh, I, I go back to uh, what uh, what Matt was saying uh, when we interviewed Callum Williams about the uh, the Minnesota United versus LA Galaxy. And the, the interesting thing is that, that Minnesota United and LA Galaxy uh, have met a similar three or four times to, uh, to Phoenix and New Mexico. And Minnesota United has not beaten the Galaxy. They've got like a couple losses and a draw. Same, same, same whole type of deal. And, uh, and Callum was saying that, that you know Adrian Heath has got to be in the locker room telling his guys it doesn't matter what happened in those other games. Minnesota United just needs to go out and handle the one that counts. And Rick Schatz is going to need to do the same thing for Phoenix if they do draw New Mexico again here and that the playoffs to say just forget about these other games because none of those matter if we win this one. And ultimately, top to bottom, Phoenix has a better roster than New Mexico United. The game is going to be at Phoenix, and there is absolutely no reason that Phoenix should not be able to win. Okay, yeah. guys, though. Guys, I do have this one thought at the bottom of my brain. Tell me why I'm wrong. If we're in a penalty shootout, I am not even a little bit confident. Like, We've legitimately lost zero four in our franchise's history. Well, how how many English guys do we have? Not enough. We got Whelan. Uh, we got like no Whelan's Irish. We got honorary John, and that's it. Oh, uh, well, actually, the, the the joke about that was that the English are terrible at well, piddle. Yes. Well, so. Okay, so we're like we're like terrible no matter what. So so we we've got all English guys that is what you're yes. saying. Yes. Yes, yeah, we're, we're, we're over four in our franchise history. Like, dude, I—that's like legitimately the last thing. Like, if it goes to penalties with New Mexico and us, Mizell is a better penalty kick sh- save a saver than Lubin. I love Lubin, but I don't feel well, like how, how, best how at saving PKs. How, how can we really say that though? Because it was was not not You're right. The last You're game. right about that. Yep, that's a good point. 
I, I mean, ultimately, I, I think that that's going to be one of those mental things where, yes, mentally, it's going to be in their head that the team has struggled. But I, I mean, ultimately, I, I think penalty shoots are, are a bit of a lucky thing anyway. I mean, certainly there are world-class penalty shooters out there. I don't think any of them play in the USL, though. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I don't want to see it go to penalties, but I don't necessarily think that Phoenix is bad at penalties. I think that it's just been, you know, something that hasn't gone their way. Just so we get some official predictions out there, what are you guys' thoughts? I will say Phoenix 3, New Mexico 2. Oh, that's, I mean, that's the scoreline I was going to go with. But yeah, I, I think absolutely. Um, I would think at least, you know, a couple goals there. I could, I could even almost see, you know, maybe a Phoenix 3-1 where we're up 2-1 and get, get a late goal. Um, but it is going to be a tight match. But I, I mean, you know, if we want to talk, you know, the mentality of, of Phoenix and playing against New Mexico, you can, you know, to be, you know, counter argument is the last experience we had against New Mexico was, you know, somewhat positive and that we come back get oh, that yeah. 2-2 draw. Um, and, you know, everything that happens with that in that game, um, you know, clinch the Western Conference. There's, you know, also some good history for us. Um, I, I think, you know, when it comes to playoffs, these guys are professionals. And, I, you know, I, the one thing, Dominic, with penalties, um, I will be curious to see what our penalty kick takers would be, who would line up in that lineup. Um, we didn't have John Baccaro at that point. There's uh-huh. a lot of guys that wouldn't have had that opportunity that I think we would see take a penalty against New Mexico this time. We also had some guys that had subbed off that probably yep. that that was a weird game because I remember Solo uh, and Adam John both started on the bench and then came in uh, and then yeah. there there was guys like uh, I think it was Kalistri and Flemings that had subbed off uh, and I, I know it was I, I think it was Cochran that ended up taking the last one so I I don't think that, that we would necessarily have a defender. Uh, in the the top five shooters come playoff time. I mean, you, you got to figure that you're going to have guys like Kalistri and Spencer are probably going to be out there by the 120th minute. Uh, the the thing that that I would look at more than anything is you made an excellent point. Uh, going back to the last game is in in football. There's two types of draws. There's draws that feel like a loss and draws that feel like a win. That last one in New Mexico, that was solidly in that draws that feel like a win column. Absolutely. And I just want to say this. I'm going to go on the record. I think Sacramento gets to win over New Mexico. And that helps us out because I think that ends up meaning that we play the winner of Los Dos versus Austin. And that will help us out a lot. I don't want to go too far because I think the second round matchup between the winner of Monarchs OC, that's going to be a very tough match. But I, if we don't have to play New Mexico before that, I think that helps us a lot. And I, I really do think that 
Sacramento will find a way, and that will help us out. I think that would be best-case scenario, because like I said, out of the the other two teams, uh, Austin or uh, Los Deuce, I think that we've proven that we can take care of both of those teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially at home. You know, there's just not the mental side to it that you talk about when there is New Mexico. And, and you know, I think against either one of those teams, we're able to go out and, you know, get an early lead and Rick Schantz is able to make the necessary subs to uh, get us ready for Monarchs or Orange County because that second round, I mean, like you guys said, that's basically, um, you know, based on form and and realistically, you know, the squads, that should be the Western Conference Final because either two of those teams, you know, they, they definitely deserve to be in that conversation to be, you know, top of the Western Conference. Absolutely. Well, well guys, um do you guys have any I thoughts? Need, like, I was just going to say, I, I do need to wrap up pretty quick because I actually got to be up at 4 a.m. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I got to wrap up pretty quick if I got time for another question or two. Well, we're, we're just about done. I mean, um, what were your thoughts on the match on Friday? I mean, we're, we haven't actually gotten to the match on Friday, but it was a pretty straightforward win. What were your thoughts on Phoenix Rising's performance there. I mean, I I think that they did what they needed to do. I don't think that it was a overwhelmingly wow they just kicked their ass type of game. Uh, I don't think that there was a whole lot of negatives. I think it was just kind of they they came out handle their business and and that that's all right because they i mean that's that's what they needed to do i because they they were realistically they they were on a one one and two form coming into that game so so more than anything they just need to get those three points and and that's what they did over a team that that they should have easily handled and, and they did what they needed to do kyle your thoughts yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I think OKC put forth the effort, you know, and it turned out not not to say they didn't put forth a good, good effort. But, you know, this was the kind of result that I would have expected from, you know, that San Antonio match as well. Um, Just, you know, a team that Phoenix, you know, we, we've already clinched. We're ready to go. And in OKC, a team, you know, they were eliminated from playoffs, didn't really have anything to play for. Um, and yeah, Phoenix, we didn't play, you know, the best match of the season by, by any means, but we did have good spells. The one thing I will say, and I'll continue to preach it is getting those early goals, um, two goals, you know, before the 40th minute, that's been the recipe. And we got that done last night. And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, Deshaun Brown does come back and get one goal for, for OKC. And they did have some, you know, dangerous chances. They're a team that could always, you know, capitalize on the counter. Um, yeah, but the, Phoenix, the goals they, they scored was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that goal. I mean, that's going to be up for goal of the week. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I up for goal of the month. Or <laughs> yeah, more. <laughs> you're right. It, it, I mean, but, Mike Watts, kudos to Mike Watts, fellow Fordham alum, with a great call there. I mean, there was just no hope for a goalie on that. That was just an absolute 11 out of 10 banger right there. 
Yeah, there's nothing he could do to stop that one. And with uh, with OKC, uh, they really have good chemistry between Brown and, and Gordon, and and they almost set up that other goal where uh, where it was Brown feeding it to Gordon last night, and, and that was the almost crossbar. That one, if that one had gone in, then, then it could have been trouble for us. But I, I couldn't agree with what you say more, where Phoenix is a team where if they get a goal early or two goals early, that allows them to control the game. Uh, it's when it goes in nil-nil at halftime or uh, you know even down a goal, that's where they uh, they tend to get into trouble. And uh, yeah, I, I think... As long as Phoenix can get ahead early, uh, then they're they're a tough team to beat just because they do possess the ball so well. And guys, I I do have to go to the restroom really quick, but who do you want to play next weekend? Who don't you want to play next weekend? It sounds like New Mexico is a team we don't want to play next weekend. I mean, Los Dos or Austin are looking like more targetable teams, teams that we would like to play more. But, like, I mean, obviously we've had an amazing regular season. There's no reason we can't beat anyone. It's just who would you want to play, who wouldn't you want to play? Well, I think New Mexico is clearly the one that you don't want to play if you don't have to. Out of the other two, Los Dos is a team that, that we've played a whole bunch, and that goes into kind of the, the NFL where you have your conference rivalries, so like with the, the Cowboys play the Eagles. It doesn't matter how good or bad either team is because they have so much history. You can kind of throw that out the window. On the other hand, Austin, they're a brand new team, and the last time that we played Austin, we just completely outclassed them. So I, I would say Austin would be the first choice that I would want to play. New Mexico definitely be the team not to play. Yeah, ditto. I mean, for me, absolutely. Um, an Austin team that you know, they don't have the USL championship playoff experience. They do have, you know, a lot of veterans on their team, but still they won't be used to this. They had to travel to Tacoma um, and lost today 3-1. And then, you know, we'll have to travel back to Austin and then travel to Phoenix, presumably um, after the play-in game that they played midweek. So just so much going into this for them, a lot of travel. Um, they definitely would be the team that I would pick in an ideal situation. And then New Mexico, um, like I said, you don't want to see them, but like I said, if, if it does turn out to be the team that we play, um, I think it'd be a fun way to, you know, silence any naysayers. Silence the collective. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I got to wrap up pretty soon. Uh, can, can, can we just, can we just finish this off with like, yeah, seriously, yeah. like how the fuck did San Antonio not make the playoffs? I mean, just bad luck. I mean, bad luck and lack of discipline, you'd have to say. Um, I mean, the own goal, I think it was an unfortunate goal. And I think, you know, Off if that doesn't goal. happen, yeah. Colorado Springs has no belief. But, um, I mean, it, it, they shouldn't have been in that situation uh, either. I think, you know, they they were up by two penalties. 
which means, you know, they hadn't finished any of their other, you know, good opportunities. And San Antonio is a team that they can score at home. And against Colorado Springs, um, they should have been up 3-0, 4-0. So really, you know, they have no one to blame them but themselves. But it it is wild. And, you know, if you're a New Mexico fan, um, you need to thank any San Antonio fan right now because uh, without them, you're not sitting where you are. Well, yeah, absolutely. And certainly you you can look at today, but I I think what it ultimately comes down to is the fact that San Antonio put themselves in a position of needing to win today to get in in the first place. Anytime you put yourself in a situation where you have to win the last game of the season to get in the playoffs, there's a chance that you can lose that game, and, and that's what happened tonight. Uh, I think it's just that uh, if you look at tonight, as bad as that was, there's probably four or five other games over the course of the season where they could look back and say, you know, we could have gotten a point here, we could have gotten a point there, uh, and they're not even in that position tonight. I mean, geez, though, like, come on, man. Like, two penalty kicks up. In the last 25 minutes, I mean, oh my gosh, how do you blow that? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. It, I don't know, it, 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 it legitimately, <laughs> touche. It, it, it legitimately might be the most ridiculous USL last day result that we've seen. I mean, certainly the the fact that it happened against the last place team makes it somewhat, but it, it's hardly unprecedented. I mean, look at uh, Leeds United uh, lost to, uh, to, I believe it was Ipswich on the last game of the season last year, uh, where Ipswich was in last place getting relegated. Leeds just needed to beat them in order to get automatic promotion to the Premier League. Lost that game, ended up making the playoffs, losing it. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, once again, Leeds United last year, they were first or second all year. Then they stumbled at the end. They had themselves in that position of needing to beat that last place team on that last day, and it didn't happen. I, I don't. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. They were top two like the whole year. Being, don't put yourself in a position of needing to win that last game. I, I think that if we were to look at the last 20 years of soccer history and look at all the uh, the different leagues around the world, I, I bet we could find 50 examples of a team that needed that game on the last day of the season and lost to a team they never should have. Just because, I mean, that's the thing is, is that essentially becomes that team's Super Bowl. If you're dead last, the only thing that you're playing for at the end of the day is, well, hey, we can knock these guys out. And it happens more often than not. Yeah. It, it really does. I mean, there you know, there's no better, you know, team and more dangerous opponent than someone who's already dead. They have nothing to lose. And um, I, I mean, it, you know, to, you know, speak about being dead, you know, I'm looking back at the San Antonio recap and, you know, in the 88th minute, San Antonio actually scores a goal through Frank Lopez, but the offside flag goes up and the goal is called off. 
So, you know, uh, they had the late winner and um, to have it called off. I mean, just just it's 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 heartbreaking. But like we said, they shouldn't have been in that position. Um, they're better than that. You know, they really were. But uh, well, it, are it, they? Just, it didn't come through. Well, yeah, exactly. Are they? Question mark. Um, and uh, like we said, there's going to have to be changes. There's got to be. They're too big to be struggling in this kind of situation. I mean, if you look at goal difference, they're a sixth or seventh place team because they, they were plus five. If you look at the teams ahead of them, New Mexico plus two, Los Dos minus three, Austin Bold plus one. You have to get up to seventh place Sacramento with plus seven before you have a team with a better goal difference than San Antonio. So I, I would say, yes, they should be a playoff team based on their goal differential. Uh, 62 goals scored. They they certainly have offense. 57 goals allowed. That's that's what killed them. They, they need, uh, uh, if they need to make additions, they need to be on the defensive end of things next year, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you Ramon Cole, like, if you're still listening to this, like, I'm sorry, man. That's rough. But, and it's just crazy, like, like how it, – it's just crazy. How do you blow a 2-0 lead at home like that? I mean – and that's that's all it took. All it took is San Antonio taking care of business, and New Mexico would have missed the playoffs. Well, maybe and, and, and maybe that's what it is. I mean, it's just de- destiny. They they were gonna have to see New Mexico one more time this year. Jeez, I hope not. <laughs> you know, it, it's just it, it's been one of those seasons where you know it, it's just. You know, it started off with New Mexico here, and then we saw them in that the finals, and then one of the last games. I mean, it's just, I, I think it's always been the destiny. It was like last year with Orange County. It was last year. At some point, we were going to see Orange County again. Yeah, yep. And I think we see them back-to-back weeks this year, sadly. I mean, and any other thoughts, guys? I mean, I, amazing, amazing week 34 recap. It could be New Mexico. It could be um, Los Dos. It could be Austin Bold. Um, it's going to be exciting no matter what. And we're going to have home field advantage. And I, I feel confident no matter what. But if it is New Mexico, obviously that, that brings another element into it and another element of doubt into it. Um, but, you know, it's so... I don't think we've talked about it enough. How incredible it is to set the USL points record at 78 points. What? Let's wrap it up with final thoughts on that because that's an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was the one record that, that at the end it was kind of touch and go if we were going to get it or not. But I, I mean, just across the board, 24 wins most of all time. 89 goals scored most of all time. 53 goal differential, plus 53 goal differential, best of all time. 78 points, best of all time. I I mean, what else can he say? (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it is all you can say. And and you know, if you know we weren't in America and we didn't have this playoff system, I think people would be looking at what Phoenix did, you know, and so much more because you know, in the league system to do what this team did, it's it's insane. It's amazing. And yeah, we maybe didn't play the the Eastern Conference, but the way that we played and made our you know way through the Western Conference, winning 20 matches in a row. I mean, it's it's been nothing but just record-breaking years or year here, and um, it's something that like we just have to be proud of. But now, you know, is when the new season starts. All those records are great, but um, you know, ultimately, no one will really, you know, care too much about them if if you know we're not able to get it done on Saturday. Yeah, no one wants to be the 2007 Patriots. <laughs> oh gosh, don't even. Why are you even bring that energy into this podcast? <laughs> now, however, however, hey, 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 how, however, however, I'll give you a little two-minute spoiler for Across the Grid because I'm so generous like that. Um, so please introduce the audience to what your new show is doing and what you guys are trying to accomplish. Oh, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, we have uh, another show that's coming out. It's called Across the Gridiron, and we actually uh, recorded the first episode already. Uh, It's in editing right now. should be out by tomorrow. Uh, And with Across the Gridiron, what we're doing is introducing the game of American football while using soccer comparisons to kind of bridge the gap between the two footballs or even uh, throw a little bit of rugby in there. We have Ross Devonport, who's joining us for that show. He's actually the uh, commentator for the Greenville Triumph, but uh, he also does uh, some rugby commentary. Uh, he has worked at the uh, the CBS Sports Fantasy uh football before so he's a a well-versed guy on a a lot of different sports and then uh, Aaron and Ross and I uh, are going to be uh, kind of doing it it's uh, American football for the English fans so it's kind of the opposite of what we do with across the pitch which is English football for the American fan I love the concept if you guys need anyone to talk about how great the bills are I mean the fucking colors, man. Red, white, and blue. It's beautiful. <laughs> then you talk about then you talk about like a great fan base. They're literally smashing through tables, man. And then you talk about like the arch nemesis of the Patriots. If you ever need someone to just give that experience, I will very happily oblige. I was someone that went into my undergrad years not following an NFL team and just going to the experience over there, it really converted me. It was it was spectacular. So, and that's, I've been to a couple other NFL stadiums before, so I, I just have to say it was something else. Well, well we're going to have to make a plan to do that. And, and yeah, I mean, the Bills, they're just one of those iconic teams. And like you said, I mean, it's been obviously a number of years since their glory years, but I will tell you, the NFL is a better place when places like Buffalo have a good team because it's just so damn cold up there. What the hell else are you going to do all winter besides watch football? So at least let them have a good team. Come on. It's kind of like 
I'm a Newcastle fan and I'm a Bills fan. And like the Bills are Newcastle and Newcastle's the Bills. And it's just, it made too much sense. <laughs> so many parallels. <laughs> and, and of course this happened in 2011 when Newcastle was fifth in the league. And it was great. Well, so, so does that mean I don't the regret Lions and Dolphins are going to be going down to League One pretty soon? God, I hope so. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the Dolphins would be like, like Sunderland. Yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> and my team needs to play them twice more. <laughs> Including yeah, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the Dolphins. Uh, so are they? Are, let me ask you this. So they, this would be uh, a last hot take for uh, for the night here. What do you think? Do you think that the the Dolphins have a chance to become the first NFL team to have an undefeated season and a season where they don't win any games? I think I think the Dolphins are like 2016 Aston Villa. They're that much of a tire fire. And and there are other teams that have finished 0-16, but this Dolphins team really has a chance to be the worst. They're they're just so bad. They're so bad. I, like, I thought that last week was the chance they had to win, and they had it down to the wire, and they just messed up on a two-point conversion when they were down by yeah. one. Yeah, I but mean... Like, holy shit, dude. This Dolphins team is so... I mean, really, like... The, the only if you're, thing, if, you're though, if you're a 2016 Aston Villa fan, this is the equivalent. It was it's that bad. It's bad. It's the, it's fucking garbage. It's bad. The, the only thing though with the Dolphins though, and this did almost happen last week, is with Brian Fitzpatrick. He's that guy that you know most weeks he's good for about four interceptions. But he'll have that one game of the year where he'll throw for like 650 yards and seven touchdowns. I, I think the Dolphins will go 1-15, in 15 and, and in some random game, Ryan Fitzpatrick will set the all-time passing yardage single-game record, uh, and then he'll retire and, and go back to Harvard and, you know, invent world Maybe peace. Maybe against the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I mean, if he breaks that record, which I'm assuming is held by Dan Marino, um, he, he has to retire because he could never do anything single else. Single game yardage for a, a single game. I, I I don't believe it's Dan Marino. I, I want to say it's somebody like Fran Tarkenton or, or some old school guy. And it's like whenever somebody gets close uh, it's always like, oh yeah, and then and they never end up passing it. But I, I, I know that like, uh, like Boomer Esiason, one year when he played for the Cardinals in an overtime game, had like 550 yards. So that's one of the uh, the highest totals of all time. I'll, I'll actually look this up. NFL single game passing yard. You know who? You know who doesn't have that record? The Chosen Rosen. This dude is like the Joe Ellington of any team ever. Like, this dude just sucks dick. He's so bad. <laughs> it's like, yes, invest in him. He has promise. Oh, wait. He's the worst. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, here it is. Yeah, I knew it was somebody old school that had it, and everybody always gets close and ever. It's Norm Van Brocklin with 554 yards for the Los Angeles Rams in 1951. Uh, and then, uh, let's see here. And then you have... Uh, Tied for second is Warren Moon and Matt Schaub with 527. Uh, and then there's a Boomer Esiason game, which is 522. Uh, Roethlisberger had a 522. Marino had a 521. So there's been about... God, Matt Schaub, what a name. Yeah, I mean, but but yeah, so, so Norm Van Brocklin... 554 yards for the Los Angeles Rams in 1951. You guys can win yourself some money at the bar with that one. My dad wasn't even born. Uh, so. No, mine either, yeah. Yeah, wow. All right, guys, and any final thoughts on, like, this ridiculous final day of USL playoffs where San Antonio misses it? Um, it I think it sets up all right with, for Phoenix Rising, but it is going to be there is a possibility of New Mexico next weekend, and, and no matter what, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, just that, you know, we could be thankful that last night we were celebrating um, the being the best team in league history and not, you know, mourning our team uh, missing playoffs how San Antonio is right now. It, I mean, this just shows um, when you put in the work throughout the season, you don't get stuck in these difficult situations. Um, and now we, you know, we just get to put in more work. If it is New Mexico, so be it. I think regardless, you know, this team, um, they're destined to do great things. And, uh, you know, they won't mind the difficult difficult journey. Yeah, I'm just going to say that uh, it really comes down to no matter who Phoenix Rising plays next week, They've got a better roster, they'll be more well-rested, and they'll be at home, so there's no reason there that we shouldn't see a win, no matter who they play. I just hope it doesn't go down to penalties. Holy shit, man. Like, I just I just don't <laughs> want that. I don't want that. No, like, is, we need is, to say is, that Is it fair to like say that that's like, that's like the Achilles heel, man? Like, I just don't want that. Yeah, I mean... Uh... And John should take those. John should take those. Yes or yes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No if, doubt. It, if it's a close situation, yes. If it's uh, a run-up-the-score kind of goal, then I, I say let Solo take it to hopefully get his confidence back. But, but yeah, if it's a PK with the game on the line, uh, you, you got to give it to somebody else at this point. Three in a row, man. In any case, thank you guys so much for coming on, and uh, what a great way to recap in a record-setting season, playoff preview, even a little bit of NFL by the time <laughs> you guys are listening to this. Maybe the Cardinals will manage to beat the Giants. I doubt it, but, you know, you never know. Yeah, this was a great time, and, uh, you know, I, I just can't get over what a great day of uh, – football this was and uh, thank you again for for having me on i i had a blast and uh, let me know i'll come on at any time of course and we can't get over like san antonio man like what the, what the fuck
Really? Uh, hey, you know, after all those uh, Spurs and Sun series, I don't feel too bad for him. <laughs> but for real, though? Like, really? I mean, it, it's the one thing, you know, given, you know, this close rivalry that we've had with them. Um, I mean, we know, you know, that this team is is built with quality competitors. So to not have them in the playoffs, you know, it's it's disappointing um, for them. But but really, you know, it, it's their own fault. And and it sucks to be there. But, uh, you know, somebody had to had to be there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, now we can tell tell them, you know, we they weren't even there for us when uh, we needed them to knock out New Mexico. So they can't do anything <laughs> right, it seems. Yeah, it was a rough night uh, for sure for San Antonio, but I, I think that, like I said, I think that uh, they they need to beef up their defense. They need to bring in a new coach, and I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with again next year. Well, they're gonna hope so because, wow, what a disappointing result. It's tough as it gets. Well, well, guys, thank you so much for talking about what we did, what they did not do, and just giving a little bit of a playoff preview. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it. it. It had a great time, and uh, uh, all I got to say is uprising. Yeah, happy to be here with you guys and uprising. Uprising. Thanks, guys. Rising is one podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is one podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items. Just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. Thank you.